millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Living History UK podcast, a podcast for the discerning and knowledge-hungry historians out there. You can support our podcast and get much more from Living History UK by joining our Patreon from just £1. And by doing so, you'll be a part of an ever-growing community and really help to make a difference as we strive to keep history alive. But for now, enjoy this podcast. Actung, Actung, and welcome to the Living History UK podcast and not We Have Ways of Making You Talk in case that we may be just throwing you a little bit. The reason we've done the intro somewhat different is to pay homage to, of course, a fantastic podcast. We have Ways of Making You Talk, hosted by the legends Al Murray and James Holland. This episode is dedicated to talking about the fantastic and frankly incredible event that the three of us, myself, Danny and Pete, uh, went to over the weekend of the 9th and 10th of September, the weekend after the Victory Show, and it was the third We Have Ways Festival. So, Danny and Peter joining us for this episode. Danny, how's things, and what have you been up to? Well, it's been, it's been a manic one, and uh, we've been recording a few bits and bobs, so those of you who are regular visitors on the pod, keep your ears pinned back, because there's going to be a, a plethora of pods coming out soon to keep you entertained on your way to and from work, or if you're hiding in work. Otherwise, just do, catching up on some jobs. Now it's the winter season. It starts doing some research. I've got a, a few medals on the bench that I need to start researching. But that's, that's that's my winter near enough planned up. How about yourself? Plenty. Plenty has been going on. Mainly work. But, um, yeah, lots of things going on be, behind the scenes and uh, starting to plan ahead for events next year. I know in the wings we have Lord Peter Neal. So, Pete, how are you? And can you tell us what we have ways of making you talk festival is all about well i'm doing all right thanks um so as we've recorded this we've uh we, we're a couple of weeks down the line from it uh because we've just been so busy with other events and then trying to get the planets aligned so all three of us are actually sat down together like we are now but we're here now and that's what's what's it <laughs> that's what that's what that's, that's what makes it that's what counts that's the world that's what i was looking for that's what counts 
Yeah, so we have Wise Festival. So as Steve has already pointed out, um, it's been going a couple of years now. And what it is, it's bringing from, say, from the living history world is among the best what this country has to offer uh, through a variety of different subjects. Um, But also, on top of that, lectures as well so you've got some of the uk's leading historians and also other guests as well who you might not necessarily go ah i didn't realize they got an interest in this um which we'll probably go into a little bit later with uh, some of the guest lineup that was there uh but yeah and and it's as as, and as it's like ronsell like it's exactly what it says on the tin it doesn't you know it's it's a festival of history and an incredible one at that too. I, I was lucky enough to go to um, We Have Ways Fest 2, which was last year. I went with Monty's men. I had an incredibly fantastic time. And we had the invite drop into our laps to go this year, didn't we, Danny? Well, yeah. It's, it's, it, those of you who follow us on all the other socials and bits of you'll know that recently uh, we've, um, as Peter put it in, in his big words, aligned the planets, as it were. And the Living History UK SAS section has now come under the collective umbrella, so to speak, of Les Parachutists. And it, the events of Military Odyssey, Victory, and We Have Ways have been a combined effort. So the Les Parachutists has already been um, invited to We Have Ways Festival, and they obviously extended the invite to their newest uh, recruits and members. But as you, as you say, Pete, it is the, uh, for a show, it's a very different one. It's, a, it's an invite only. It's the best of the best of World War II living history in the country. And walking around the field, there are a lot of regular faces you see there, and there's a lot of cracking kit, some, some decent pieces of British vehicles and armour, which you just don't see anywhere else. Yes, there is, and like the amount of arm for for such a sort of a, not a small event, but a, a, an event of that size to so have as much armor that they did have there was very very impressive. Because usually with events that we've all done in the past, it was never it's never on that scale than what they had there, which was absolutely fantastic. Very true. I mean, the, the event itself isn't, you know, sort of the size of uh, Odyssey or, or even the Victory Show. It's very much quality over over quantity. And I think that is not just in terms of living history displays, but very much in terms of traders and also in terms of the, the talks that they, and lectures that they have. Because rather than it being a traditional kind of event, let, let's say, you know, like the Victory Show, like uh, Odyssey, you know, these big World War II specific events which we go to and enjoy – the the event is more sort of um sort of leaning towards having people come in the SMEs or subject matter experts come in and talk about their area of interest to packed out marquees essentially because all the talks that we saw were really really popular and there was some some fantastic um speakers on throughout throughout the three days of the event because the the first day is the Friday it was really really busy personally I didn't get there till the Friday um sort of evening. But then you have Saturdays on Sundays, like the, the wind down uh, sort of day for the event. But uh, Danny, would it be right in saying you were some of the first boots on the ground on the Friday for the event? Well, I think the the, the true cap of the Pathfinder Force sits purely on the head of Dino, who, being being the, the man who likes, you know, he, he's like uh, like the Bear Grylls or the Grizzly Adams of the of, of Les Parachutists. He's not happy unless he's in the woods somewhere. Um, he was on. I think he arrived like Wednesday, 
I think it was. And he and he basically had already been on the ground for two or three days by the time we got there. And he'd kind of semi-constructed half of the half of the display. He'd already set up the parachute tents, which we'd we'd um pre-done at military Odyssey. We worked out ways of stringing them from the trees. He'd already fashioned our very famous Op Wallace dining table. And also made up a few other little shelters and you know set up a water point, a cooking point. And all the other things, you know, those of you who've worked in harbour areas, you know how you get into a pattern of life and you have certain areas within a harbour area. And it's exactly the same as in World War II. If you have that natural layout, it works well. But no, yeah, I was one of the first there. I had uh, my Irish navvy with me, also known as John Shanahan, who'd come over to the big island to uh, enjoy the luxury of running water and electricity for a change. Um, and he came along for, for his for his UK event of the year, so to speak. I think you were next on the site, were you, Steve, or was it Pete? Well, we, I arrived like five minutes of each other, I think. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, I was te- technically first, but then Chuckles pulled up behind me, and then Pete was only a matter of minutes behind once he'd sort of wrangled his way through the gate guards. See, I drove yeah. in, no, no no challenge whatsoever, but it might have been the fact that I had the trailer on the back with a Jeep, so it kind of gives away where I'm going. Yeah, I don't think I was going to particularly argue with uh, someone towing a Jeep that's bristling with Vickers K-guns, if, if we're totally honest. Well, I think I think we must pay, make make chance to make a note now. But poor old Chuckles, bless him. He drove three mm. and a bit hours from home, and he was poorly, bless him. And so he he was swiftly sent home because he wasn't very well. And he, I know he would have stayed and tried his best, but I think he wasn't he wasn't best. So I, I do hope Chuckles has got over it and he has recovered. And I hope we do see him at uh, Avoncroft. But mm. yeah, no awesome sympathy for Chuckles. I saw him the weekend. He's now fine. <laughs> okay, no sympathy for Chuckles anymore. Chuckles' sympathy is over. We now move it, put it back in his box till the next he time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he had the poo. <laughs> so we had we had the we had the, we didn't have we had the delights of the weekend. We didn't have Fanny Craddock. We had Fanny Neal instead cooking for us. <laughs> Creating <laughs> wonderful beefy delights, and and also I do believe Peter that you made a, an extra special gravy. Can you tell us more about that, please? Yes, I thought I'd poke things up a bit, and I thought you know what, well I'll have a red wine base for this, so I put some red wine in it. But it wasn't just any it, red and wine, then, and then just um, <laughs> reduced it down as well. I re- proper reduced it, reduced it, took away the alcohol content, so it was just the flavour of the wine, and. How tender was the meat in that in it as well? Nice. Yes, it very was very tender. Yeah, it's very but nice. It's, like I say, it's not. It's not like I do cooking on TikTok or nothing, is it? <laughs> <laughs> this this particular bottle of wine, though, didn't it belong to someone? Mm, yes. Yeah, we all bought bottles, so we always bring a <laughs> bottle with us. Um, so we. So what we what we do is. Um, so so what we so when we do the lunches and that, it's obviously to keep. In keeping with where we are, we have like a couple of bottles of like French red wine to have at lunchtime and uh, evening meal to keep it all French. So yeah, so there's a few of us that bought. Uh, I think most of us bring a bottle, if not two, usually. Well, uh, I, I see. I seem to think to recall that bottle had written on it on, on it CSM. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it did yeah yeah it did yeah You're, yeah that's correct i just grabbed the first bottle i saw to be honest with you i was like there's like, there's like four bottles there's five bottles mm-hmm. lined up here i'll just grab the first one i was like oh we'll use this then yeah it, it was very nice of him to bring that bottle just for the cooking as well I thought uh, well no, no this awful. is where people yeah no, no this is this is where people 
try and twist the story because there was <laughs> half a bottle left after I only put half a bottle in. Well, I think he was too busy to be bothered anyway because he was asleep most of the afternoon, so don't worry about it. <laughs> it's it, a very yeah, boozy it only, 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 only half a bottle. So it was only half a bottle. And, and the thing is, it's like they say, cook with the wine you like to drink. So, that you know what I mean? So it's so it made it extra special. And, and it was extra special. It was a lovely stew. Very, very good. Tended to by our cooks, uh, Jack Sim as well. And uh, time to time, uh, good old Terry too. So big shout out to them both. Yeah, they did really well because did, that did take them out of their comfort zone a bit because uh, they're not... Uh, uh, they don't. I don't think they they uh, do much um, cooking, as I put, put it put it lightly, sort of thing. So I think them them coming out of their shell to, to keep that rolling, um, they did fantastically. Um, I, I only did the stew bit. That was all. That was all. That was all I did. Uh, they dealt with the breakfast and getting the lunch is sorted. I just dealt with the evening meal on the Saturday. I think with with um, we have Ways Festival though you're you know, we're so used to doing events different events all over the country different clientele as it were public coming through you've got everything from you know a good interesting member of the public to it seems to be when you go to see the smaller events sometimes it can be the public can be is that real food is that real wool you're wearing but the the customers and the and the members of the public who well the, the particular purchasers who came to We Have Waste Festival, obviously have a great fascination in history because they listen to James and Al's podcast, for one. But two, they, they all seem to be asking good, in-depth questions, you know, questions that, you know, someone who, like me, who gets, you know, when, you, when you're standing next to a part of the display and you've talked, this is the M1 carbine, and you said it 10 times, but then each person was asking different questions that made you think differently in how your answers would be. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Um, with the, with the quality of the questions, yeah, it was very refreshing. I have to say, it was very refreshing. But they did have, they did make me think sometimes as well. <laughs> yeah, so, certainly a unsort uh, of rivaled pub, you know, sort of quality of public. I think James and I like to refer to um, the, the fellow listeners as the afflicted uh, <laughs> because they're sort of all there. Uh, you know, we are all geeks, and it, it was a very much a. Um, a welcoming atmosphere not that normal events aren't welcoming but it was very much homely in that sense it was you know the typical demographic let's be honest is middle-aged blokes uh on their own you don't really see families at the event no. um so for us it was just like uh, everyone who comes up to us is just there because they're interested as you say in the podcast and history they've paid a, a premium ticket price to be there so they're clearly intrigued and have some sort of um you know knowledge on the subject but one the thing most i did imp- notice though is I, I had it a couple of times where I could be just, like someone's just asked me like a genuine question and I'm just like chatting about it. I might have had to pick a prop up to explain more in depth. And then suddenly I'd I'd look up and there's like 30 people stood in front of me and it's mm. like, where do you lot come from? Yeah. And, that, <laughs> and that was that's my closing point really is the fact that these people really want to uh they're, they're hungry to learn. They want they want the knowledge. They want to know how many rounds a minute you can fire in this, or or how many of these weapons were made, or what food you're eating. They really really hungry to know the answers to those questions. So yeah, really really fantastic uh, perspective and event for us to go to, and have the, that quality of um, clientele coming coming through the door each day. I think it's the reach as well. I I, I think we we have ways to me. It's very much how the the members of the public are when we do tank fest. We've got members of the public. 
uh, we have Waze Festival, just like Tankfest, who've come over from America, Ireland, Australia, and they've come over, not just because it's part of their holiday, they've come over specifically for this event, which I found, I found obviously we've got our token John who just hops over the pond, hops over the little water, but when you've got people coming from America and Australia purely for a two or three and a bit day event in an English field, looking at people wearing old clothes, it just amazes me. And it's also really interesting, not just members of the public, but the um, celebrities that come out of the woodwork for the event. There's a couple of visitors to our display, wasn't there, who uh, you kind of think, bloody hell, that was, that, you didn't expect to see them here, but uh, they did turn up, didn't they, Peter? They did, yeah. Um, like uh, James May was there. I, I kind of like, not, not half expected him to be there, but that, that one wasn't a shock to the system <laughs> to see... Uh, uh, James may walk around, but the one that did shock me was seeing um, uh, Dermot O'Leary. Yeah, that's not the kind of celebrity you would say, oh, you're going to a World War II at the weekend, who's going to be there? I mean, that's yeah, like... You, a... Yeah, that's one of the last people you'd think would be <laughs> there. Like... <laughs> yeah, that, and, was... Paul, and Paul McGann was kicking around as well. I didn't yes. realise this until afterwards. Big but I think, I think I walked past him at one point I was I was walking past him, I walked past his bar and he looked a bit like Paul McGann. Oh no. Man, I was like, oh, he looks a bit like Paul McGann. He does. But then you know, it's was you know it's one of those things where you see like general members of the public, like, oh they look like whoever. Mm. That's how it was with me. And so it went until afterwards, I was like, Oh my god, that was the original sharp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he was in Hornblower as well. Fantastic. He was. Series. He was brilliant in Hornblower. Absolutely brilliant in Hornblower. I know we had. Um, I know. I do definitely saw Al Murray and, and James Holland come over to the pitch, and I, I think in a way they wanted to spend more time. But sadly, their, their entourages were uh, assisting they go back. And I think what they they were giving us some good plugs after the talk. So I was noticing after the end of certain talks. You'd hear clapping coming from down the other end of the field. And about 10, 15 minutes later, you'd see a wave of people coming up into the woodlands. So I don't know if we were getting plugged or not, but it, it, was, it was nice and refreshing, to be fair, to have those little gaps between masses of public. But I think we all clubbed in together as a group and we all brought, you know, we had three Jeeps there. We had all the drop container stuff and we had all the ops table set up with all the radios, the uh, uh, the the spice well the spice at the MCR one which is one of the radio sets and also Jed set and also the uh, suitcase radio the B two um, and also just uh, just actually sleeping on the pitch as well and having that rhythm of life which I think a lot of g- groups unfortunately fall into this pattern oh we gotta go back to plastic camping or we've got to go back to the caravan field when you start living on the pitch it actually brings a totally different dynamic to the display yeah. Un- unquestionably it does it's um it was noticeable just seeing people walk into our setup and for those who weren't at the event i'll try and lay it out for you so you can visualize it we were about uh, 300 yards from the main sort of events field up a path which went into a, a sort of went into, into woodland and uh, you went past one group who were dug in doing um i think it's the inns of court regiment uh, scout car regiment and then a little bit further down over 50 yards or so down the path you start coming into our um sort of encampment on the right we had uh, a couple of parachute tents set up there was uh, dino's fantastic structure that he put together um just like a kind of bivouac and then on the left hand side was like our living area and you obviously had the jeeps dotted around as well and all the guys kit and drop containers like danny's mentioned 
But it's really good just to watch people walk into it and go, wow. They were like, this is pretty special. And then everyone was taking photos and it must have looked great to just see, uh, like Danny's mentioned, us sat down eating food, lovely stew that Pete made with a fantastic wine, of course. Um, and, you know, just seeing people going about their daily sort of tasks, you know, washing here and there and Jerry Bristol eating tons of bread as he does, you know, and quaffing wine at the table. It was proper immersive living history as it should be done. And uh, it it was clearly appreciated. But something I really enjoyed, uh, as, you all, as you both know, I am a massive fan of the social aspect in the evenings um, when you actually get to move about a bit and uh, so see see friends on the circuit and all the rest of it. But I was really impressed with the evening entertainment that, that was put on uh, where they had the anti-aircraft gun going. So they did a, um, a scenario um, with, a, with, a search, with a searchlight and uh, anti-aircraft gun. So you had the old siren go off and that, and the uh, searchlight goes up, and uh, you hear all the fire control orders being given out and bearings and things like that, and then the anti-aircraft gun starts firing. And that was that was really good. They did that on both nights as well. They did that on the Friday night and the Saturday night. Yeah, I've been mean, refreshing, can... really, because he's so used to going to a World War II event and you have a a mock battle where, you know, you've got 20 Germans hiding behind a hay bale and none of them die. Um, and then you've got armoured cars crawling forwards really slowly because they can't they got to make it last half an hour. Just having those set displays, i.e., you know, the, the 3.7-inch anti-aircraft gun and the, and the searchlight, just having that was a lot better than having a mock battle. Um, the whole I know on one evening uh, we have ways they have a Hawaiian shirt night raising money because everyone has to make a donation to a, ch- a child I think it's a child's ch- cancer charity I'm not sure exactly it's related to Al's well Al's relatives I do believe um, and that's good to see because again it's that it's that humour of everyone wearing funny shirts um, but there was a good selection of food vendors there there was a good selection of beer um, only one side which is a shame but hey ho um, those of you who know, I do prefer my apple-based beverages. Um, but it was, it, I think it's, it's, it's one of those. Uh, it's, it's a nice if you can get there. Get, if your group gets invited, please do take up the uh, take up the reins, so to speak. Um, but if you, even if you just fancy popping in as a punter, it, it's, it's very much worth going. I do. I do hope we get a return invite next year, whatever time it'll be. Indeed, we could certainly hope. That we do because um, God, it is a fantastic event to be a part of. Uh, it's going to go down as my favourite event of the season. Um, I can't quite call it just yet because we've still got one to go, but we're uh, we're getting there because it, it just is a great event to be a part of. It's such a lovely vibe. It's a great setup. You, you're respected as well uh, for being there, and um, you know, seeing the social media uh, light up in during the event and post event mentioning us in, in you know less power in such glowing terms is, is, is lovely it's, it's nice nice and rewarded it's um really really good but yeah hopefully we will be back next year i can't see any reason why not but um pete let's have some highlights of the event let's go around the uh, around the room pete what's your number one highlight of the event um for me it was actually meeting james holland and al murray although i didn't get to speak to al murray um, I only ever saw him in passing, uh, which was unfortunate because I like to have said hello. I've been a fan fan of his for many of years, but I did get to speak to James Holland though. He's a really nice guy. Um, he came over to have a chat when I sat on the uh, sat on our bench. Um, I think it was not long after lunchtime. I don't think. Yeah, I was sat there sort of sipping on sipping on a 
on a cup of red and uh and he said that he'd he'd, he'd quite like to join us so <laughs> i was like that was brilliant that was so uh that was my highlight and then also seeing the daimler armored car as well because that's all the uh daimler armored car always holds a very special place for me and what about yourself danny well, I, I, I think it's the way, uh, my highlight of it was just the way it was set up. It was set up. I like the factor of having talks there. It's, you're not just a static exhibit stuck behind a piece of you know tape barbed wire. People are mingling in the displays. You've got the talks. You've got the set pieces, i.e. you got the anti-aircraft guns. You've got you know, all stuff in the evening. Um, I, I'd like to say it's also a positive that we finished early on the Sunday, but I do like getting a full day bang for me buck. But it was strange rolling back home at... I think it was like half five, six o'clock, which I don't think I've ever come back for an event at that time in an afternoon. Um, but no, yeah, I think generally, it's just I think my highlight is, it is it's a strange way of saying it, but just the way the event is set up and coordinated. Um, anything for you can think of, Steve? Uh, I'd echo what you both said, absolutely. Um, but I would like to pay uh, sort of uh, homage to the the group of guys who were involved from from Les Para as a, as a whole. Because it's a massive, massive team effort, a huge logistical nightmare getting vintage vehicles to the event and pulling people together. It can feel, I know from experience, like herding cats sometimes. So, you know, kudos to those people. They know who they are. Dickie, of course, Dino, just to name two names. Uh, of course, you two guys as well. Um, you know, there's the whole group really, really pulled together. Um, and, and like we mentioned, Chuckles, who was not very well when he turned up, but uh, someone had to step in, of course. Pete, um, Pete, uh, Jack, and Terry stepped in to do the food. I just think it shows great team spirit and and in- incredible camaraderie as well. So uh, I'll doff my uh, doff my cap to you, gentlemen. I think we also must uh, doff our cap in a way to the uh, new member of Les Parachutes who has a uh, a, 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 a now inbreded love of limoncello. <laughs> yeah, so I think yeah. the less said about that, the better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think they've now learnt that you don't drink it as half a pint. <laughs> yeah. And do you know what? It's worth also giving a shout out to two of the um, two of the newest members as well, uh, good old Jack and Dave as well for getting their kit together in such yes, a short it's... amount of time. Credit where credit's due. Yeah, they've done that on quite a quick turnaround. To be fair, yeah, a week well. for Jack was it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like a week or well, week and a bit or something like that. I think you only had to borrow a couple of things. Yeah, it always is. It's, the SES, you might think when you look at the SES impression, oh, it's just it's the same as uh, normal British Airborne, but it's not. There's so many little tweaks that it's different. You know, things like, for example, don't you're not wearing British colour shirts, you're wearing American shirts. So you've got to find either an original or a very good reproduction American shirt, and they're not that easy to get hold of. Things like the rubber sole boots. You know, you could go, oh, it's wear DMS, they're the same 1980s boots, but it's not. They're hobnail boots, which have had commando soles stitched on. It's a totally different type of boot. And that's the attitude that everyone in Les Parachutes has got to take willing to go above and beyond to, to get the impression right. Indeed. And, you know, it was an, an incredible event, but it wasn't the last event that we've been to, or should I say that Pete's been to. We talked about this event a few times on previous podcasts over the past couple of years, uh, almost two years since the podcast was set up, of course. And that event was Wallingford at War, Peter. Yes, I returned from there literally two days ago of us recording this. Um, as per usual, 
it was a very good small event. It's a very, it is a very small event. Um, usually with the railway events, they're quite a big do where you've got multiple stations and things like that. But this is literally at one station. Um, so that's at the Heritage Railway. Uh, I want to call it, I'll try and think of what the actual name of the place is now. You caught me off guard. Um, but it's it's the Heritage Railway in Wallingford in Oxfordshire. Um, and it's all volunteer run. So everything that they raise from that event goes straight back into the railway to fund refurbishments and everything else that goes with running a, a heritage railway like that um yeah as unfortunately we couldn't uh field as many lads as what we normally do normally there's at least six or eight of us i think the very first time we did it there was about 13 of us i think the very first time we did it um so yeah this time around it's just uh it was myself chuckles uh and dom uh former presenter dom uh he was there with us and uh chris as well chris bridgman so yeah so unfortunately it was only four of us and chris could only join us for the saturday so then there was just three of us on the sunday um but we still had a good time we still did what we normally do um and Luckily, it turns out it's going ahead again next year because there was a rumour mill going around over the course of that weekend that um, that was going to be the last one unless somebody took the reins. But obviously, in the last sort of 48 hours, I had an email from the organisers today uh, saying thank you for coming and all the rest of it. And they turned around and said that Matt, the station master, has taken on the reins. And uh, and I think he's going to do an absolutely brilliant job because... Uh, I think we we took to Matt straight away from the very first time that we did it, uh, Matt, the station master. And he's very keen. And he's also got into living history himself uh, doing Home Guard. So he's, uh, I think he's going to do an excellent job for next year's Waddingford. Yeah, a really nice guy, as you say, really did take to us. Uh, He he enjoyed the, uh, again, the camaraderie that we had with us and the the laughs we were having, singing some of the songs on the trains, adding a bit of a... Know, sort of interesting, quirky atmosphere to the event. But it is a cracking little event, Wallingford. It was a shame I couldn't go. Um, but there's always next year, of course. So fingers crossed can make that. But Danny, have you been up to much in, in the past couple of weeks since we're getting back from We Have Ways Fest? Well, yeah, I've been um, down the museum, um, Herefordshire Regimental Museum, recording uh, pods for, for here, but also for the museum podcast, which is just a walk in the sun which is uh, to uh, talk all about military history in Herefordshire and the Herefordshire Regiment. But I've also been planning other bits and bobs. For example, we're looking at doing an, an event with the museum next year, possibly even the year after. We might do it in the anniversary of an operation during World War II called Operation Blackout. Now, here's a test to both of you. Do you know what Operation Blackout was? No. No. In the style of Dom, no. Um Operation Blackout was actually the taking of uh, Carl Admiral Grand Admiral Carl Dernitz's puppet government in Flemsburg at the end of the war. Oh, that Operation Blackout. Yeah, I've heard of that, actually. Um, so when Hitler um, committed suicide, he handed over all power to Dernitz. Now, we're planning in Hereford, either next year or the year after, and Living History UK will obviously be there as an invited special guest, um, the reuniting of the Grand Admiral's baton, which is his badge of rank, but also his car penance. So these are the. This is only the 
we think we've worked it out as only the third time since 1945 that the two will be reunited. So that'll be a quite an interesting evening. We'll have talks, kit displays and all sorts in Hereford for that. Oh, well, something like that would be absolutely cracking that will, mate. Sounds like uh, you two both been busy, whereas I've just been at work. That also sounds weekend. like there's a potential of a beefy boys involved in this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have to make sure we don't have the beefy boys before the posh cocktail party, otherwise... <laughs> so, before we go down any other rabbit warrens of other, <laughs> other gibberish, uh, um, thank you so much for listening. And I hope you've enjoyed this uh, small sliver of insight of our time at We Have Ways Festival. Unfortunately, we couldn't go into the great intricacies of the great lectures that were happening because like many of the other uh, events that we do, we really only get to see the 10-foot peripheral of our display. Um, But there were some great lectures there. Um, So if you've enjoyed what you've heard, Please tell people about it. Please share it and all the other good stuff as well. And also, if you would like to support the channel, you can support us via Patreon for as little as £1 a month. Or you could be the proud owner of a Living History UK t-shirt or a Living History UK mug. And all of those are available in the Living History UK shop. So until next time, stay safe and keep history alive. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to support it, then why not send us a PayPal donation? All donations help us pay to host the podcast and for us to create new content for your enjoyment. Furthermore, if you would like to submit a question or even a subject matter for the podcast, join Patreon and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. The links are in our bio. Until next time, keep history alive.